This is Power Players with Dan Clark. Hi, Stan. Power Players with Dan Clark. Welcome to the special podcast interviews with the University of Utah running youths, football players extraordinaire. I've had the opportunity to interview so many of our elite superstars. And as a reminder, my friends, when you're a fan in the stands, it's amazing how we have to educate one another because so many people don't realize the fundamentals of football. Not every play is designed to score a touchdown. There's nothing more insignificant than the halftime score. If you really want to know if you're a champion, losing hurts worse than winning feels good. Are you with me? And so every single interview has allowed me to ask questions that everyone in our section, 50-yard line, fourth row, crazy fans, know we're not up in the luxury suites. We want to smell the game. We want to hear the game. We want to feel the impact. We want to hear the conversations where every linebacker shows up at the line of scrimmage in a bad mood. So from my vantage point, especially with the opportunity to interview our superstars, today's interview is going to be one of the most inspirational because of the questions I'm going to ask Lander Barton. He's a true freshman. He just barely came out of high school last year. As an All-American at, at Brighton High School here in Salt Lake City, Utah, invited to play in the All-American game. And with so many accolades as a superstar high school player, when I played football and baseball at the U, so many athletes who were superstars in high school did not make that transition into the college level because they lacked the speed, they were extraordinarily strong or whatever as a high school player, but somehow that didn't translate into becoming a superstar at a D1 school. And so it's very rare when we have an opportunity to see a true freshman not just step up and fill in for a starter who might go down or step up and have an opportunity to get some action here or there, but to see somebody who is at the quality of play, the quality of character, the quality of resilience that Lander Barton brings to the table. Hang on to your seats, my friends. I think you should even pull out a yellow pad and a pen because I'm going to ask him some questions that will help you as high school athletes prepare yourself for scholarships to make that transition into the D1 or D2 or JUCO world. But I also want to talk about his family influence and how important it is for you to put family first, football second, and taking care of your teammates, your, your friends, probably in that order, all under the, the understanding of family, faith, country, and all those wonderful things that make this Utah culture so extraordinary. This episode is brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway, one of the most amazing national companies on the planet with a special focus on our Utah market. Lander, it's such an honor to have you here. How old are you? 18 years old. I could not believe it when I read that, dude. You play like a seasoned senior. Let's talk for a second. So how did you grow up? And I want to, you know, in the formal introduction that everyone heard that I previously recorded, we know about the royal blood flowing through your family's veins. And it begins with your mom, Mickey, not your dad, Paul. Let's not throw him under the bus, but come on. It, it's true. She's an All-American. She's in the, in the Crimson Club Hall of Fame at the University of Utah. Your amazing sister is an amazing athlete. Your two brothers, Cody and Jackson, we watched. 
and they're playing in the NFL. But then all of a sudden you come sliding into the family in the sibling mix and you were like under the radar. I didn't know they had this superstar stud younger brother coming through the ranks. And all of a sudden you show up at the U and you didn't miss a step. Talk to us about growing up in a family of superstar athletes. Did you, did, did competition come out at the dinner table? Did you wake up earlier than your brother just because you needed to beat him to the bathroom? Talk to us about growing up in the Barton household, my friend. Um, it was not all sunshine and rainbows growing up. I'm going to be honest. But uh, for me, I kind of missed a lot of the, the real competition between my older siblings just because um, I'm five, six years younger. So I was kind of a little kid when they are in high school and getting older. But I was able to watch everything they did, just watch and listen. And so I feel like my biggest growth came because of that. I was able to watch all their games, their practices, go to volleyball tournaments and watch maybe – 20 games a day. Um, so just being there and seeing it all kind of, it gave me a picture of what I need to do to be good. Seeing all these good athletes that they play against or themselves. So, I mean, it was it was just, it was great information to take in at a young age and then try to, try to work myself into the picture that I saw when I was young, if that makes sense. Yeah, so reminisce. I'll give you a second to think back on some specific conversations where your sister perhaps had a lousy game. What was the advice that your mom gave her when your brothers blew it, when your brother gave up a touchdown or screwed up a block on the offensive line? What were those conversations from your parents like to give them that confidence to get back up and go again? Um, Failure was uh, not acceptable when we were growing up. We... We had to be the best. We had to win. In basketball, we had to score 20 points a game or it wasn't good enough. We uh, Which, incidentally, you averaged 19 points a game as a junior at Brighton High School. Unfortunately, I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if winning is, it, you know, winning is not, not, winning is not everything. Winning is the only thing, according to Coach uh, Vince Lombardi. So talk to us about what happened when you failed. What, what was the conversation? Was it like, I'm not going to talk to you for three months? Or what was it like? We never got the silent treatment, I wouldn't say. It'd be more like we'd be in a car, car drive back from the game and we'd be getting chewed out and getting yelled at, just saying, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And then basically sometimes you, you – you take some stuff in. Sometimes it's through one ear out the other. But, uh, no, they would always – they would tell us good things, like – especially because my dad and mom were both basketball players. So in basketball, I feel like they had the the, the best ability to um, give us advice on what to do specifically. So, I mean – Especially in basketball because you don't count the shots you miss. You only count the shots that go in. So just from that mindset alone, maybe that – that, that counsel came from a more positive perspective than a negative. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, also, if we didn't take enough shots in a game, we'd be getting, we'd be getting yelled at a little bit. I love it. So, it's like, you know, the famous uh, Wayne Gretzky, you, 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 you miss every shot that you don't take. That's right. No kidding. Wow. You, you can't score 20 points shooting 10 shots. But you can't you can't make every shot, so you got to shoot at least twenty shots. So, what emphasis did your parents put on practice versus the games? Did you what what was the understanding in your home about the significance of working hard? Um, hard work was everything. 
starting from our dad to Jackson to Cody to Danny to me. I mean, he passed it down as we grew up, and he, he taught us at a very young age what it was like to work hard. And I mean, I think, I think myself as a player and as a person, I work hard. Yeah. I would like I'd like to say, but I mean that was a it was a huge emphasis on us, just being a hard worker, being accountable, and just getting things done. And um, I don't. I guess they were they were pretty hard on us if we were not working. Like we could not be lazy in the house. We uh, growing up we didn't take naps really. I don't I don't think I've ever really been a nap person because if we were seen taking a nap we'd just get woken up and told to go do something right away. I love it. So what do your parents do? My dad he helps run a, uh, his family's business, which is a packaging company, uh, cardboard corrugated boxes with him and his brother that their dad started. And then my mom she. Uh, She's a world traveler now. Ah. Yeah. She's uh, going to all my brother's games, my games, going to see my sister in this upcoming week. So, I mean, she's all over. She's active, always working out, hiking. So, uh, yeah, she, she's, she doesn't sit down in one place. So your aura is kind of a cowboy, you know. In the Air Force, we have uh, call signs. My call signs, hot lips, no questions. <laughs> but we've all seen the movie Top Gun Maverick, and we know Maverick and Goose yep. and Iceman and Rooster. If there was one word that describes you, what would it be? I'd want it to be cowboy, but I mean, I'm from the city, so I can't. I can't call myself a cowboy. Yeah, but you got your boots going on. You got your your jeans. You just show up with your ball cap on. Come on, dude, you are. You're a cowboy. And when the, when the word cowboy comes out, what do you think about? You think about hard work. The cows need to be milked at four a.m. regardless of what the weather, regardless if you have a cold or if you're sick. You got to get up and do your chores. So we didn't talk about this before we came on the air. But you came, you you kind of strutted your stuff in. I'm a cowboy, and I and I I tied into that. I tapped into that. So yeah, keep going, man. Talk to me about why cowboy represents you off the field and on the field. Uh, for starters, I mean, I love horses. I love the cowboy lifestyle. Just being out in the country, riding a horse every day, working cows, doing whatever like that. And then also, I mean. Coach Witt preaches it all the time, and he says the hay is never in the barn. So the work's, the work's never finished. You always got to keep going. There's no time to stop. There's no time to rest. Um, so, I mean, I truly believe that the hay is really never in the barn. You, you can rest. I like to say you can rest when you're dead. I love it. That's a mamba mindset. It's <laughs> kind of a Kobe Bryant deal. Rest when the game's over, not during the game. That's right. So a Cowboys tough Tough. You know, I was a Golden Gloves boxer. I would, I'd fight anybody except a cowboy because you'd hit them with everything you have, and they'd look like look at you like that's all you got. But <laughs> so the Washington State cowboy mentality from Pullman brings a little bit more grit to the co- competition than than their their record. Yeah, they, they they were a they were a good team. They 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 uh they fought hard. They're just they had good players out there. They were making plays. They were disciplined. So I mean. We didn't, we didn't take that game for granted. We knew what we were getting into that game. Exactly. So as a, as a defensive player and an offensive player, you scored 16 touchdowns as a receiver in high school, and you had quite a, an illustrious high school career. I, I, I compliment you on that. But then when you come to the U and they make you a defensive 
a defensive linebacker, I notice that they move you around. Sometimes you're blitzing in the A-gap. Sometimes you're out on the slot with your agility, with your size, 6'4", about 2, what are you right now, 230? Yeah, 230. Yeah, and incidentally, for all the ladies listening, I was in the training room when he was getting some extra uh, work done on his knee. And uh, he's a specimen. You're a specimen, dude. You, you, you've really taken good care of yourself, and you're you're pushing so hard as a, as a true freshman. You blow my mind. So as a as a versatile linebacker, going inside, going outside, taking people on man coverage. What's your f- favorite part of the game? Is it the run defense? Do you like just standing there and showing up with a bat in a bad mood, or or do you like the open wild freeness of, of you know? Drop it into pass coverage. What's your favorite part of the game? I actually had this question earlier on air. Um, they asked me if I liked pass game or run game. Ah. I, I, I honestly like both. Because yeah. run game, it's the physical aspect of football. You're coming downhill, smacking people in the mouth. But pass game really shows intelligent, knowing route concepts, where to drop, where the quarterback's really wanting to put the ball if he recognizes your coverage. So, I mean, I feel like... I don't like run or pass, but I like uh, the aspect of playing linebacker. Of being, um, you got to be smart. Yeah. You just gotta, you gotta be intelligent. You gotta know what's going on everywhere on the field, awesome. offensively and defensively. So, how do you gain that competitive advantage? Is it only through film study, or do you just prepare yourself and push yourself, competing against yourself in the locker room, in the weight room, and the, you know, the, the nutrition? Talk to us about your your regimen. How do you prepare and Keep yourself as an elite athlete. I mean, it's all of it. You gotta, you gotta be able to be in the film room every day, constantly in there watching film, studying not just the opponent, but your yourself, your team. And then, for my regimen, I mean, you gotta work out. Even it's season, so people tend to kind of lax on their workouts. But I mean, you still gotta push yourself if you're lifting that two or three times a week. Try to strain your muscles, and then eating's a big part of it. You gotta get your calories in. And then you got to get your water intake in, and then you got to save that time for your, the taking care of your body, the treatment. You got to be able to ice. I mean, get some compression on your legs, get a massage, anything like that. And uh, personally, I go to uh, Pilates probably two, three times a week. Oh wow! So uh, I feel like that's been a big advantage to me, trying to st- uh, keeping me flexible, keeping my core strong, my joints mobile and strong, and just. Working on any part of my body that's kind of hurting or bugging me at the time, just working that out and getting stronger. Have you <coughs> ever sustained a serious injury in all of your years as an athlete? Uh, yes, I have. My freshman year of high school in football season, I fractured my uh, L5 par bone in my spine. How'd you do that? In a game? Mm, no, it was kind of over time. Uh. Growing up, I'd always have back pain. So I think it's kind of always been the same thing. And then I finally got x-rays, and it showed the, the fracture in it. And then something else called, I can't even pronounce the word. We call, yeah. it, we call it the spondies. So basically uh-huh. your spine kind of starts slipping out of place a little bit. So were you always a big kid for your age then? Maybe that had something to do with your growth? Um, I think it could either be growth or genetics. I don't really know. Maybe a thinner par bone in the spine. Or it could have been growth, because I've always been kind of a, a taller kid yeah. for everyone else my age or uh, – I wouldn't necessarily say I was heavier. I mean, I was heavier because I was taller. Yeah. But not like a not like a big, big kid. This podcast episode is brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway, one of the most iconic brands 
in the real estate world, we thank you so much for your Utah athletic support. So how did you recover from that injury? Because a lot of folks, you know, <laughs> I remember when I had, uh, I'm old, I had my hip replacement. And the kicker on that is your rehab. Yeah. And so I chose to go to the Park City Hospital because they take care of the Olympic athletes and the mindset of pushing that athlete beyond anybody's imagination allowed me to recover so fast and I've never had a bit of pain since. I just came back, worked hard. So the mindset of a usual family orthopedic, someone who says, oh my gosh, look at this, look what happened to your spine, you can't ever play again, I'm so sorry. And obviously you didn't take that advice. So what was your rehab? I did, uh, it wasn't any typical rehab, I would guess I would say. I started at um, an orthopedic center in, I want to say, Holiday. Mm. But I was probably there for maybe a week or two weeks. And it really, it was, they, they did good stuff. But uh, I went to this lady, I'm not going to say her name, but uh, there was a Pilates instructor, and I actually started going to her three days a week consistently when I was 14 years old since the time I broke my back. And uh, we would just work on all sorts of things weekly. And it actually, my recovery process was very fast. And I was able to heal the fracture by maybe February Wow! after that. But um, So how many months was that? Just like two, three? No, I would want to say maybe September to February. Okay. So it was a decent amount of time. But, uh... Yeah, and I really don't get much pain in my back anymore. Like it never, it's never really a, a problem for me since then. Very cool. So uh, how do you prepare for a game mentally? Do you listen to specific kind of music? What's your routine on game day? And let's break it down. So if it's an early game, where do you start? If it's a later game in the night, 7 or 8, 8 p.m., where do you start to really get fired up? I used to return kickoffs and punts, and I used to lose like 30 pounds of weight just waiting for the kicker to kick it, doing all my things. And finally, our sports psychologist at the university, he said, the analogy, Clark, is a rubber band. And what you do during pregame is you just lose, leave it loose, and then as the game time gets closer and closer, you start stretching that rubber band. And when you get in the end zone ready to return the kickoff, it's maximum and as soon as that kicker kicks the ball, bam, you let go, you catch the ball, and you're a cat. Yep. So I can't let go of that analogy because I watch you, and when you take the field, you seem like you're just kind of gearing up. You're just getting ready to fire up, and then all of a sudden, the first play of the game, you just you rise to the occasion. Teach us what's going on in your mind so we watch you uh, from the stands. Um, on a typical game day, I mean, I never really get crazy fired up. I don't, I don't show a lot of lot of energy or juice because I've kind of been a, like a, a, a calmer person I guess yeah. my whole life but um before games I'll listen to like calm country music or something something like that like what? let's put in a plug like what man? maybe some Zach Bryan oh yeah baby yeah. Yeah. Zach Bryan Tyler Childers I don't know I'll listen to calm music just let my body relax let my mind relax and then I'll give you one of my country hits. Had I shot you when I met you, I'd be out of jail by now. That'll fire you up for third down and long. I'll give it, I'll give it a listen. <laughs> no, but um, and then as it gets really close to the game, we're about to run out there. I'll start listening to kind of faster paced music, kind of start just really in the locker room. Yeah, I'll, so I'll you have, have your headphones I'll ready. Have my, you're, yeah. you're, you're just 
And then what happens? When you get ready to run out of the tunnel, you just put your headphones down. Yeah, I just put the headphones down. I, that's when you really need to lock in right there. And I just try to let all the energy of the crowd, all the energy around me, I just try to absorb all the energy. Kind of, I don't want to say be one with it, but just, just make myself comfortable in the environment, whether it be a home environment, an away environment. So, I mean, I kind of just let myself be, like, be in the moment, be there. But I'm still, I'm still relaxed in the mind. I'm trying to think of what I need to go over in that game, what I'm going to see, I'm kind of visualizing stuff. And then once, it, once we're on the field and plays about to happen, it's kind of you got to clear everything out and you're just, you have one focus right there. This podcast episode is brought to you by the incredible Berkshire Hathaway one of the most recognizable and iconic brands in our country, in our state. And we thank you so much for supporting our student athletes at the University of Utah. So what's your favorite food? Favorite food? Can I say a favorite meal? Yeah. A nice ribeye, medium rare with uh, sweet potatoes, Just <laughs> a dry sweet potato, and a good salad with ranch. We're having all the guys over to our house for a Traeger grill night, so make sure we get a ribeye on that uh, grill for you, baby, Traeger grill. You can make a good ribeye on a Traeger grill. Oh, yeah, baby. So what advice would you give to a high school athlete? You know, your four-star athlete, you're the second-highest-rated player coming out of Utah. You have all these accolades nationwide, and you yet you decide to come to the University of Utah. Why did you choose the Ute? And don't give it to me that my brothers played here, my sister, my mom, my dad. It's it's expected of you. You had a chance to go to multiple schools. Name drop drop two or three names that recruited you, and then just tell us why you chose the University of Utah. I mean, I was recruited by a lot of the West Coast schools, a lot of the Pac-12 teams. Some some SEC ACC, uh, but uh, really, the biggest reason coming to Utah is, is my home. I can see my family, but I can also live away from my family about twenty minutes. And then also, people kind of look at U- Utah's a big program, and it's it's been on the come up for the past past few years. But I feel like some uh, I don't know, but. I don't want to say it because I don't want to get a bad look. No, come on, baby. Um, people might not view Utah on the same level as maybe a Ohio State or a Michigan or an Alabama like that. But really, when I was looking at school, I wasn't choosing the school for their name. I was I was picking a school because I knew what how what, how they could develop players and use players in their system and how to become a better person, a better man. Because if football doesn't work out, you still gotta. You still got to live life. Mm-hmm. And uh, from Utah's history, they've always, they've always been great and probably, I want to say, I'm not, I'm not certain on this, but probably top in the country at developing three-star athletes, two-star athletes into NFL products. Four- and five-star athletes, oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, you c- so you came out as a four-star, and clearly as a true freshman you become a five-star you think that's because of the Utah influence, Witt's philosophy and Harding's philosophy on the offensive line and everybody who, who contributes, Scally. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, there's no there's no easy days in Utah football. I mean, 
it's always a grind. You're always working hard. There's n in practice. I mean, coach Coach Witt preaches. I mean, we're a, we're a hard practice team. We don't we don't practice soft. I mean, we go hard. We run the ball. We'll hit on days we're supposed to hit. So I mean, I feel like going through that every day, you're bound to develop and become a better player quickly. So I mean, coming in for spring ball really helped me with that. Learning the speed of the game, getting more physical, being able to handle linemen. So I mean, yeah, I just the physicality, the speed that we practice with, it it just it makes a whole difference. Yeah, and you can tell that on the field. So if you were going to make a recruiting video, what would you say to a young high school kid? Why should they come to the University of Utah instead of, you know, taking a million-dollar bribe in an NIL deal to go to Alabama? <laughs> I mean, I guess I'd, I'd ask them where they, where they see themselves in four years. And if they're really serious about football and they see themselves in the NFL or getting ready for the NFL, then Utah's a great place because they'll – They'll develop you and make sure you're you're able to get there, or at least have a shot to. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember Coach Mack was my coach, and we were at a program, and he quoted a statistic somewhere about 93% of D1 athletes, maybe even D2, D3, D3 college athletes, end up living in the city where they played college ball because you get a chance to m meet the movers and shakers and the influencers in our community and really you know, create those lasting friendships, those bonds. Yeah. And obviously you're doing that right now. If you had a message for the NIL com uh, community, that the, the name, image, and likeness, how can we help Utah athletes? How can we help the current Utah athletes to stay here because they know how much we care and sometimes we need to step up financially, not just emotionally, and with our amazing culture of family first and mission always. What, what advice would you give to the NIL community, the business community, on what we can do to help recruit the four- and five-star athletes like you to come to the U in case money seems to be the issue? What, what, what's the What's the differentiating factor of why they come to Utah. You've already said it, but let's just tie the money in because if you come for money, you'll leave for money. That's no way to develop loyalty in a program. And it seems like the continuity of our coaching staff has got to be a plus where the coaches have been here. They will remain here. They've been here forever. Yeah. So what advice would you give? That was kind of a multi-question. And uh, I'll just let you talk for a minute from your heart about football and Utah and NILs and yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. Yeah, talk yeah, to us, man. Think on that one. I mean, personally, for me, I was not in anything for the NIL for the money of it. I mean, I know if you're a good player, and I was thinking to myself that I'm a good player. That eventually you need to showcase that, and money will come to you, or not. It won't come to you, but opportunities will be, will will show up. Yeah. that you can take advantage of. So I wasn't really in the recruiting process looking for who's going to pay me or who can pay me more. But uh, for some players, that's that's what they're looking for. I mean, Utah's really a uh, – Salt Lake's a close-knit community, but it's not a small it's not a small city. But I feel like most people in the state of Utah are pretty close-knit because we, we don't have an NFL team. Mm -hmm. We have the Jazz, so – Everyone's a fan of the Jazz, but we don't have an NFL team, so it's either you're Utah or you're BYU. So, I mean, 
I, I hope majority of the people here are Utah fans. <laughs> and uh, so all eyes are on you. People are supporting you. So, I mean, companies, we have, we have good players. We have good students, good kids up here on campus. Some are coming from far places to a – they're coming to Salt Lake City, Utah. They've, people think there's Mormons in Utah. That's about it. Yep, yep. So, I mean – there's a lot to offer, and a lot of people, it's new faces, so, I mean, it's kind of an uncomfortable environment for some people. And, I mean, companies can recognize that and see they're a good kid. They're coming, they're, they're uh, a new face in an unfamiliar city, and so ec- a little extra money wouldn't hurt. Absolutely. So, were you here when uh, the tragedies with 22 and 22 with Jordan and Lowe happened or did you come in on the aftermath of that i was not on the team at the time no and how has that impacted you i've mentioned this a couple of times with other interviews with some of the players about what really brings tears to my eyes is when we get to the fourth quarter they replay that video and the opposing team acknowledges yeah so we're playing usc they're in the battle of their life so are we and uh, there was about seven or eight of the USC players who broke away from their, their team uh, huddle, and they just stood and looked and, and clapped. Yeah. How, does that, how does that impact you as a player, knowing that tradition matters, that players are more than just muscle and bone going through motion? They, they're real men that you honor, that you love. That's what reminds us about it's more than football when that comes out at the beginning of the fourth quarter. What does that do to you emotionally as a young man as far as the, the tribute that you play to those fellow players every single game? I mean, it's like you said, it's, uh, it's, just, it's more than football. When, uh, I, didn't, I didn't personally know Ty or Aaron, but I mean, every time we see those videos, it, it reminds us that there, it's something bigger than football. It's something bigger than just playing the game. I mean, you have a you have a reason why you're doing it. I mean, each person is out there for their own reason. And so, I mean, it's just a great reminder of that. And we're just here to play a sport together. But everyone has their own things they're going through. I mean, I could be going through something, and my teammate could be going through something completely different. But we both we both are going through it, but we're going through it together. And we're just we're, – you, you have each other's sides. I mean, I don't know. It's just a – it's a great reminder that – Everyone's here for each other, and we're playing a game we love. So, I mean, if you're hurting, just lean to your brother because he knows what you're going through. Absolutely. So, in conclusion, how does that translate into life? So, you're obviously going to make it in the NFL. You'll be, you know, playing hopefully against your brothers sooner than later. What, what have you learned from football that has made you, that has turned you from a boy into a man at 18 years old? You're one of the more mature young men I've had a chance to meet. You play like a superstar senior. How does that equate to you off the field when you finally put the pads away and you have to just be in a lander? I mean, playing football teaches you really what it's like to work. What, what it's like to work, and I don't want to say suffer, but to go through pain and push through that pain. And so, I mean, playing football and getting ready to come to the U, I kind of put myself in a hole where I really stay to a strict strict schedule, strict diet. Well, I'm not that strict of a diet. I'm 
still a kid. Uh, but a, a really strict schedule. I hang out with friends every once in a while, but really my social life was nothing crazy. And I mean, it just taught me to be able to grind and and work. And then if you if you do that and are able to do that, you can you can really achieve what you want. And I mean, that could come with anything. That could come with weight gain, with a job outside of football, a business job, or a, a sales job. But um, I mean, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I've really learned is just to to work hard work and to grind. I love it. So from a philosophical perspective, let me just throw one favorite quote around Lander Barton's interview here. As I've listened to him and tried to listen in between the lines, I think he epitomizes one favorite quote, that if you sit around wondering whether or not your glass is half empty or half full, you've missed the point. It's refillable. Thinking positive or thinking negative doesn't fill up the glass. The pouring does. He's talking about work ethic. He's talking about Tim Grover's book on winning, where when someone says, what is happiness? And they say, la, la, land. And he says, no, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Lander Barton say, no, happiness is pain. It's sacrifice. It's work ethic. It's getting back up and going again and pushing yourself to your ultimate capacity and potential as a human being. So I appreciate the philosophies he's taught us about what it takes to really be successful in any aspect of life. Remember, it's easier to act your way into positive thinking than it is to think your way into positive action. You can think your way and say, we're going to win this game, but unless you put in the work, you can't expect the win, and you just epitomize hard work, bro. You epitomize character and class, and uh, I can't wait to watch you play again and again, and when you're playing on Sunday, I hope you'll remember your experience at Utah because we love you, we honor you, and you've inspired everyone in the fans to just work hard once the game's over. And thank you so much for that example as an 18-year-old superstar. <laughs> I thank you. You're awesome. Go Utes. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.